A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast, brought to you by Race Weekend Magazine, the last-minute Christmas present you need for the F1 fan in your life. The title of today's show is, Is That Latifi? And that was provided by Andreas Lero on Twitter, among others. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. And first things first, I would like to say that as much as this season is about the teams and the drivers... I also want to acknowledge that we've had a season-long battle of our own across social media, across podcast comments, and even within our own panel. Even though we didn't turn a wheel, it seems weird to say we won or they won because we didn't pay for the team. We didn't do any driver coaching. But we are invested emotionally. We've given our time. We've pinned a flag in the ground and, and we've put our hearts and souls into the sport for one team or driver or another, you know. And materially, we've all bought our subscriptions to a TV service. We've uh, funneled through the turnstiles. And without fans, there is no sport. Sports do rise and fall based on, on their fan bases. And the F1 fan base has never been stronger. So I just want to say I value our fights. I value the debates we've had and the podcast communities that we've created. I think they count. I think they count as a battle. And this was a battle that my side lost today. And I'm sad. (laughs) I'm a little shocked by the way it happened as well. But I am an old sweat. I am a 41-year-old sports fan. I've been a Colchester United fan and an England cricket fan. So this isn't my first kicking as a sports fan. It probably won't be the last. have to admit, it is a bit up there, though. So for anyone who is, is gleeful that I might be hurting... I am. Don't worry about it. It's up there. It is up there with 1994. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it didn't end in a crash. I'm glad it didn't end Prost Senna. And and I am less happy with the with the actual format that it ended in. But right now, that's not important. Right now, I want to extend a warm congratulations to our combatants in the social media and internet space, and and just congratulate the Verstappen fans following a driver. All the way from being a 17-year-old, finally seeing him get his shot at the title and then seeing that through 
to fruition today. If I was you, my feet wouldn't have touched the ground since 3pm UK time. You've had a hell of a journey and I hope you've cracked a tin and celebrated in style. And to Hamilton fans listening, it's happened. You know, you've had seven really great seasons in the sport. Don't take it too hard. I think, uh, you know, take it on the chin. The great thing about sport is there is also uh, another season coming. And there is always another season's coming. But I also I want to urge a bit of compassion for Michael Massey, who must be feeling the heat today. And uh, I just hope there's not, I mean, I hope in vain, I'm sure, but I hope there's not too much online harassment uh, against him. I think don't make this more than it is. This was uh, possibly, well, debate, in my opinion, a bad decision. But at the end of the day, it's a referee in a sport. It's not life and death. He's not making a decision on a, a hospital ward and none of us know what pressure he's under. And I don't think we'll ever know exactly what pressures he was under. But we will make some speculation on the show. But I just want to say up front that it is my absolute assertion that there was no motivation from Michael Massey to hand Max Verstappen the win today. And I just I wanted to address that up front in case anyone thought we were going to bang that drum. I don't think any of the panel will bang that drum. It is, however, my assertion that the show... And the final lap showdown took precedence over the natural flow of the sport today. And we've all seen F1 striving and striding towards being ever more entertainment. And boy, have we enjoyed some of the stuff that they've put on. But at the moment, I'm feeling like there was just a slight step over the line. But let's remember, in all these things, there are human beings at the other end of the stuff that we type on our keyboards. Let's Let's not lose track of the human element. And if you see me losing track of the human element, pick me up on it as well and I'll adjust. But I think we do have a great race review ahead of you. Remember, it's a race review, not a season review. We will do that next Sunday. With me is Matt Two Rumpets. How are you feeling, Matt? I'm actually feeling pretty good. We have some interesting and fascinating stuff to talk about. And I got what I wanted for Christmas, which is a race with the driver's tied. The person finishing ahead winning. So I cannot complain, much like the person who makes the wish yeah. that I left out on track without anyone else involved in the finish. Yeah. You mean Latifi, right? I mean Latifi, oh, right? Yeah, just okay. the whole <laughs> untidiness of the very, very end of the race. Let's put it that way. Yeah, that's true. But at the same time, Matt, what I don't want is that last five laps to, to color the journey we've all been on as fans, podcasters, and, and everyone watching and enjoying the season. I know we'll get to it, but I got to say the biggest bright spot for me is I feel like all the teams made absolutely the correct decisions to maximize their chances oh. in this race. And it was fantastic yeah. to see. Yeah, and I think that's just, this is what we're going to see a lot of positives from a lot of teams and a lot of drivers. But first, let me remind you that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. We're also joined by the edgiest of edgy panelists. It's Kyle Power. Hello, Kyle. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, that was um yeah. sorry that that was so dramatic I had to let my hair down at the end of the season. Yeah, are you are you okay with because you are someone who uh, wears his heart on his sleeve like you are you are outwardly quiet but on the inside I know there's a volcano. How how did you do during the race? Um heart failure at several points <laughs> and particularly on the final lap but to be honest 
Did we expect it to finish in any other way? F1 2021. We've got controversy, outrage, drama, action. So yeah, I'm exhausted from watching that. So my wife was fully expecting me to kick off and she warned me not to kick off. And I ignored her because I was like, if I want to kick off, I'm going to kick off. But at the end, she saw me stand up for like the last five, you know, 10 laps even just waiting holding my breath and then I sat down at the end and I was saying nothing and she looked at me saw I was saying nothing and for her that was like she said it was worse she was like oh no are you okay I I don't know I don't know what's happening we're also joined by Alex Jeansy Van Jean how are you holding up boss I'm better than I was a few hours ago I'll Mm. I'll, I'll give you that and I completely um, sympathize with you on the not saying much for very long my fingers did a lot but I I, I didn't say much I mean I had I got I I was a genius I got my wife to kick my kids out of the house and send them to my mother-in-law's brilliant Um, and we both just spent 90 minutes plutzing about what was going on on track I don't think I rested I don't think I sat Mm. in the same place for more than three minutes just pacing Um, around but just pacing around lying on the floor playing with fidget toys trying not to bite my fingers off and it was yeah I'm I still don't quite understand how everything ended, but just wow. Yeah, wow is a good way to put it. I will note for people on the audio version, we do an audio and video version, that Alex, the biggest ham on the podcast, the biggest Hamilton fan by far, is sporting a Verstappen 33 t-shirt. You've, you've switched. Is that you? You've switched allegiances. It's for a few of my friends who are Verstappen fans. It's, <laughs> okay. it's a little bit of a show of respect. And I, um, to show that I'm not so much of a hard loser, um, despite some of the messages I may have sent earlier. Okay, so okay, but I'm all on board. I say we just change this fully to a Verstappen podcast from now on. We are Max Fossey uh, on that hype train. Look, uh, my plan is, as we often do with these reviews, when there's a big event, we're going to go straight to it. And I have set a time limit to what I think is our, our big event to talk about, which is obviously going to be the safety car restart so i will get us there fairly quickly then we're going to go back do the race uh, is won and lost and we're not we're going to try and not make it two hours of should we have gone green on lap 57 or whatever it is um firstly some some changes to the track kyle i think largely positive i i think if we were expecting miracles we would have been disappointed but overall the changes that we thought it needed it, it's better Absolutely. I agree. It had much better flow to it and getting rid of the awful flip-flops in the first section, making just a nice curving, nice art corner onto a long straight absolutely was the ticket. What I am surprised about was the other change they made after the other flip-flop chicane and they made yeah. it a really fast corner, which kind of in F2, we saw quite a lot side by side, but in Formula One, it doesn't really work, but no, definitely um, positive changes. And it's good to see them looking at tracks that they've previously got wrong and start mm. to change them. Yeah. And I think the saving grace we hoped with that second sweeping change was that the the right-hander before the hotel was then going to become an overtaking spot, but that, that didn't really materialize. That, that was wishful mm. thinking. I mean, that whole section is always going to be very hard to go side by side. You're braking and downshifting whilst trying to turn a corner with an unloaded inside front wheel. Try doing that side by side with another car and you're going to have a carbon fibre party. Yeah, but I think, I think Alex, the cars could race. We were, we, we, you know, I think the, the sector one one, that was the most important one. Would you set up for good racing through the chicane and towards the end of that straight? And yeah, I think they, they had it. Yeah, I think the, the, the first... The first change they made was the right change. It was a change. It was what should have been on the circuit from the very start. 
I'm actually not massively convinced about the hairpin getting rid of the um the heavy braking zone into that chicane because we used to see lots of overtaking there and mm. we got cars side by side um more through F2 than we did in Formula One. But um I wasn't massively convinced on the second change. And if this was a race in the middle of the season, despite if you take away the last 10 laps, it was a quite mundane race. It was very a bit nor- like a, a bit like Abu Dhabi noises. Normal. normal. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and and obviously, I do want to get to where the race was won and lost after the event, because it was it was a, a very kind of straightforward tactical fight. But I, I really feel like like Red Bull did so much to overcome what was a, a massive car performance uh, um, deficit in the end. So let's talk about the event. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so here's where I am. What what lap was it, Matt? What lap was the safety car so I can lead into it? It's five laps from the end, wasn't it? it like yeah. 53, 54. So we've been enjoying this this kind of hunt down of Verstappen on Lewis Hamilton and we've been watching the time tick down and there's a realisation I think from everyone that suddenly there's not going to be 0.8 being chunked out of that time it's not It's not happening, the race is settling and there is one bit of tension because this is Lewis Hamilton's to lose now, we're watching the race tick on and we hear the dreaded keep off the curbs, keep off the curbs because Lando Norris's tyres have gone and we thought that was going to be the drama. So you're sitting there going, is the final twist and turn going to be a blown tyre or a blown engine? This has certainly happened. I'm just about old enough to remember Nigel Mansell knocking a fuel line and losing races. So anything can happen at the end. I wasn't even thinking about uh, an accident or a safety car. I was holding my breath when suddenly we saw Alex Van Jean's new nemesis, brand new nemesis, sideways across the track i'm glad he was okay but that was a a crunch point that turn 14 we have seen cars going into that barrier slapping uh, basically losing the rear end slapping it causing a a red flag so that's where we are matt and then suddenly the first big tactical decision that we're going to talk about here is to pit or or not to pit and the first instinct is we realize hamilton hasn't pitted and his radio message comes across beep. <laughs> it's just a big long beep and there you know it's not good I, and, and at the time I thought he couldn't come in turns out it was the choice and I think behind him they were just always going to do the opposite of what Mercedes did yeah I mean in essence Mercedes made the correct choice there they did not have a gap to Verstappen to get him in and out in front And they chose track position because looking at the accident, looking at the cleanup, and considering the lapped cars needing to be sent round, they calculated absolutely correctly, I believe, that it wouldn't quite all happen in time. So they kept him out. And the advantage in these circumstances always goes to the follower because they they, they get the free choice of new tires or track position depending upon what the leader picks. Yeah, they're in an awful position. They were completely squeezed. They were damned if they did, damned if they didn't. But 
looking at the crash and looking at previous incidents we've seen previously this year, I mean, think back to the amount of VSC and safety car laps we had in Saudi Arabia. From initially looking at that incident, I, I initially thought there's no way this is going to be getting going again, especially when the fire extinguishers went off and it was looking like a bit of a mess. So I don't think you can blame Mercedes for not pitting him because, as you say, Verstappen would have just stayed out. And then mm. if it did end a safety car, they would never, ever forgive themselves for throwing a championship away by being trigger happy on a pit stop. So both teams did everything right, basically. <laughs> and there was always, it was just fate caused caused, yeah. caused the situation, basically. So if you look at the maths, the maths they've got to do is how long do we think that uh, it will take to clear that? And that's that's a bit of a, a wag, isn't it? That's a wild-ass guess, to be sure. <laughs> But they look at those maths and then I, I think this is the controversial point. It's fair to factor in the amount of time it takes for the lapped cars to unlap themselves because every time we've seen a safety car, we have screamed at the TV saying they definitely shouldn't unlap themselves. This is a farce. This is absolutely ridiculous. I'll admit I wasn't doing that today. Today I was going, they should really unlap themselves as slowly as possible. And I was looking... <laughs> I was looking at the Latifi crash going, there's an, there's an awful mess around there. A, a good few minutes of sweeping up could be in order here, Matt. Alas, uh, it wasn't to be. Yeah, I seem to recall maybe once upon a time they did not unlap themselves. Yeah. And everyone got upset about that. And so then they were told to unlap themselves. But I could be remembering something different. It doesn't matter. It's part and parcel of a safety car, the unlapping. And it an incredibly rare event, I guess, unprecedented. I've never seen anything like this, that they only unlapped uh, a certain number of cars in order to get a last lap of green flag racing. I've never seen that, though. I've, I've never seen only... Oh, here we go. Hands going up. Uh, Van Jean. Because that's the contentious issue, is if we're looking at it from, let's say it's the middle of the season, what we're looking at it from is a point of view of, well, if you're only removing five cars to bunch up the two leaders what about everybody else's race yeah you know it's it's not just about the front two and obviously we all focus on the front two especially with what was at stake today but what about everyone else? i mean I'm, I'm not really sure on what the battles were behind but there could have been um points at stake for switching teams over in the constructors championship further down the order that could have been big money for people just to let five go just so the last two can that the, the, we can have a last lap race between um max and lewis and that was the thing like i don't think it did affect any of the other championship positions but there could have been people mm. on the line for the constructors championship who that would have absolutely stitched up so i think ferrari were a little bit miffed because science should have been starting behind verstappen he could have been pressuring him but he wasn't he had lapped cars in the way and i cannot it is completely unprecedented to do this, to essentially mm. make the rules up on the spot for the sake of entertainment to get the race going. I completely understand why Massey was under pressure to do it. He was being lobbied by both parties mm -hmm. on the radio as well. He's under awful pressure. I think he dropped the ball somewhat here and made up a half rule, which has landed him in quite a lot of hot water. Should they change the result? No, don't agree with that, because that would be even worse. But yeah, yeah um, I don't think he made a good decision there. Well, and you've, you've actually put your finger right on it. It was signs getting caught up in lapped traffic that I, I want to say I saw on Twitter managed to take third position, which, he, which should have been his easily, um, by about 16 one-hundredths of a second from Tsunoda. Both he and Gasly managed to put on the softs, and the two of them 
both got by Botas at the restart. So if there, if there is someone who wants to complain, Botas on a restart, again, you know, um, losing out on the last lap because he couldn't switch his tires, whereas those behind him did. Okay. So the, the problem is, is the half rule. So looking at the, the regulations, lots of people have been sharing the regulations, which is the normal safety car start procedure that we're all used to seeing. We're all used to seeing that, you know, they say, OK, lapped cars may now unlap themselves. They head off around the track. And I think, you know, the idea is if it works out that, you know, as they're coming up to start a new lap, most of the cars have bunched up. Well, that's good. If they've only made it three quarters of the way around, they're not going to wait a whole lap for them to catch that little bit up. Uh, and then, you know, then they make that decision after letting the cars go to, to, to go green, to put the safety car in and go. In this situation, they said, right, cars start to unlap yourself. The first five managed to unlap themselves. And then they realized that if they didn't go green there, the race was over. And this is what I think happened is they were under massive either personal pressure or pressure from shareholders, TV directors to make it a grandstand finish. The problem is at the time that the decision was made, Michael Massey had all the information. He's not stupid. You listen to him. He knows his F1. He knows his motorsport. He can read that situation. I don't believe for a second he can't read the situation. And this is where my criticism of this decision comes in. He knows that if he follows the normal procedure, they finish under the safety car. That's not very satisfying, but it is the result that was happening before the crash occurred. It was the comfortable result that was happening when the crash occurred, but it's, it's not very sexy. If he'd have decided not to let the safety, to, to let the cars unlap themselves, even with those five cars getting out of the way, and they would jump out of the way and they wouldn't challenge Lewis, Lewis Hamilton, Verstappen would spend all that tyre advantage catching up on all the overtaking opportunities. It would probably arrive to him coming off the back of that second straight and then Hamilton can just cruise on home through the hotel section. So they're the two legitimate options. This option of letting five cars through and, and then going green, I don't believe was deliberate. You cannot justify. There is absolutely no justification for making the decision to say, let's let five cars through, then we go green. That's no man's land. It's simply that they let the cars through. Perhaps they hoped it would be done quicker. And then by the time they rolled around to making the decision to go green, only five cars had passed, but they made the decision, no, we've got to go green because we need, and they've put themselves in no man's land. And this is why it looks absolutely horrible. Uh, let's go Kyle and then Alex. Uh, yeah, let's imagine this happened in the middle of the season, a regular race. It would be hugely controversial anyway. Mm. The fact that it's settling a world championship is massive, which is, well, one, why probably why they were forced into the position. Definitely, if this is a race during the season, it would have finished under the safety car, I think. I don't think they would have gone green. But so absolutely, I, I, I believe it was mainly commercial pressure yep. yes I or agree. director of try yep. to survive is standing over michael massey with a big stick <laughs> yeah and say don't you dare like you, this, this must go green i've got a series to produce yeah and the thing is when he goes green he he will know matt he will know that that is advantage verstappen but i, I just don't think that's the drive just don't, don't think they're thinking how can we let verstappen win this i really do think it was all about how can we have a grandstand finish uh, so in the decision itself the uh the decision referenced the agreement of the teams to get 
the last lap finished under green flags whenever it was even remotely possible. And as much as I respect your argument about the the rules that are printed in the sporting regulations, mm-hmm. where they are going to give you a hard time is the race director has absolute control of the safety car. Matt, I've got to pick you up on that. I'm, I'm, I, I knew that they would have good enough lawyers to put a line in there that says the race director is is in control. But Alex, there's absolutely no doubting that this is a completely unique situation. I've, I've never seen a decision like this, and it is completely normal for races to finish under the safety car. Sometimes it just happens. Yeah, it's happened loads of times. And it's that whole case of when when's the difference between F1 being a sport and being an entertainment media. Um, I saw a brilliant tweet earlier, which was, um, does anybody know if Michael Massey is a real person or a robot controlled by Netflix? <laughs> oh, come on. Let's not, make um, it, let's not make it personal. That's what I wanted to avoid. No, that's not the, it, it, it's more that case of how much of the decisions being made are looking at the sporting regulations and doing what is supposed to be done by the book and how much is, on, how much is done of, let's make this look good. You know, let's, you know, we're making all these changes next year to the cars to make the show better. But is this orchestrating the show so that that Netflix show that brings in a lot of fans, it has brought in an unbelievable amount of fans, is even better for when they relaunch it before the season starts? Kyle, then. Uh, uh, Lucas, Lukash, um, makes a great point in the chat, actually. He said Baku was in the middle of the season could have finished under the SC, but they threw a red flag so that it doesn't. But I believe at the point where they got to, where they're making a decision, they'd already gone past the point of throwing a red flag at that point and they kind of panicked and they didn't know what to do and they had to do green. So they played themselves into no man's land. So for Michael Massey, you know, in his defence, he was under so much pressure and he had to get something done. So you can't blame him for trying to do something. So yeah, I don't blame him personally and I would not like to be him. And this brings it back to the real problem, which is not Mazzy. The real problem is he's both race director and safety delegate. Mm -hmm. And if you think about the first call from Horner to him, what did he say? He said, you know what? You're going to get back to me when I'm through making sure this mess is safely cleaned up. And this is a holdover from the Charlie Whiting, Ernie era. And it's one of the only ones left. And I see that as being the real problem. So much else about this sport has been updated and has gotten better as a result. But the fact that Mazzy does five different jobs at every race has really begun to show. And it absolutely kept, as you said, the red flag, which would have been the fairest of solutions, from being thrown straight away once, well, as soon as they realized that that needed to be cleaned up. Uh, okay. I, I mean, oh, sorry, I've blown into the mic there with my poofed but um i don't think that's the fairest situation i think it was fine (laughs) the way it was you know there was a there was a a natural safety car period and that natural safety car period would happen to have ended exactly at the end of the race and that's just the way it goes sometimes i think the reason this is sticking in a lot of people's craw and by people i mean hamilton fans (laughs) is that it so dramatically changed the result you know it wasn't a mid-season competition caution this so drastically changed the result from a, a race where where Hamilton was comfortably ahead. He had got comfortably ahead before, pulled in by Perez, lost a bit of time in pit stops, got comfortably ahead uh, again. And and then 
this came out of nowhere and changed the results so dramatically. I, I wonder what the and I'm trying to put myself in, a, in the opposite position to take my Hamfosi bitterness away. If we put ourselves in the opposite position, Kyle, where we say, okay, Hamilton d- did pit, Verstappen did the opposite. They now end up one, two behind the safety car. What do I want then? Do I still, do you think, and what happens? We can never know, but does the safety car just finish under the safety car and give it to Verstappen? Do we have our dramatic one lap race that then quote unquote hands it back to Hamilton? Yeah, it's a horrible, horrible position to be in. Yeah, it was a very unsavory situation. So I was, so I was just about to say, let's look at it from the other side and say that the say that it didn't go green and it finished under the safety car. That would not have been an ending that this season deserved or was justified. It would have been a bit of a damp ending. And yes, they do happen. So after the season we've had, it was right that we got a dramatic finish. So whichever way you argue, whichever way it happened, it was just a very unfortunate situation that it unfolded in there. If you want to blame somebody and go outrageous and tinfoil, blame Latifi. <laughs> okay, let's <laughs> Even do that. Though it wasn't his uh, fault, hang on yeah. a minute. I think we need to clarify, Alex. You were joking that it was a conspiracy from Netflix, but I, I do, I am serious when I say the drive for entertainment is way higher than it has been in previous eras of F1. So that's, I don't think that's a conspiracy. The you can agree or disagree with me about whether it's gone over the stepped over the line, but Alex, I think you were joking that it was like Netflix is controlling what's going on. Uh, listen, you know the joke about Mazepin was not Mazepin; he wasn't there. He had COVID. Uh, the joke about um, Massey was was something from Twitter. But you know, listen, there's definitely been a focus this year on drama. Um, is it for Netflix? God knows. I don't know what the agenda is, um, but I'm I'm happy to just sit here and just blame Latifi. Good. I uh, I, I'm I'm willing to put every because I mean we haven't talked about how the Latifi crash really came across because the Latifi crash came because uh, he was fighting with Schumacher. They were side by side through that new banked corner. Um, he went off the track, which is what got his tires dirty. He then went underneath the brick underneath the, the hotel, hotel yeah. and just had no rear grip and it just because it was if you watch the onboard it's a pathetic slow spin into the wall it wasn't a dramatic pushing really hard he just lost the rear so you can i, I I'm, I'm happy to just blame latifi kyle no i was just um i was just laughing like don't blame latifi i mean he was trying to do what he was <laughs> trying to do he didn't mean to put it into the wall and it, it, it was just an unfortunate situation there was one massive winner out of it and there was one loser but everyone did get to see a dramatic last lap so okay it, you know, it, it worked from that point of view so look yeah. f- from from a sort of wrapping it up point of view on this topic they uh, mercedes appealed they brought their lawyer in a very top lawyer a qc so they went in armed they are appealing the decision it has been rejected on the ground so that is the classified result now it stands verstappen is a world champion they the map lawyers i.e. A, map, a lawyer that we know has got in touch and said looking at the fia decision they don't think that they're quite on as firm a ground as they might hope uh, because they had made mention to the race director partially sticking to the partially enacting the regulations. And legally, I think that is the point that our lawyer um, felt that that would be the grounds for the appeal because the steward's decision said, well, the race director partially carried out the start procedure from the regulations. Yeah, and they have a get-out clause in there that the race director can ultimately 
control. So that's the, ultimately their get out clause. I mean, I, I, I understand Mercedes are going to the International Court of Appeal, I believe, with it. So this is going to rage on and on. I'm convinced that they won't change the result. And I don't think they should. I mean, imagine how much more controversial that would be. Yeah, I think you just need to accept that it was one of these unfortunate situations. And yeah, it just it just happened, but my God, did we get a very dramatic last lap? I was I was up and down, jumping up and down, and all sorts. My heart rate was through the roof. So uh, it, Formula, Formula One is here to entertain, and that did entertain. Oh, oh, I was trying to move on, and then you said that. Are oh, you? I was trying to move on, and then you said that. I'm all up for for framing the sport so that entertaining things are are more likely to happen. I'm all for that. But do you know what? Sometimes it's just a grind it out one nil and you just have to accept it you don't then oh let's put five balls on the circuit on the on the football pitch you don't get a team that's winning five nil at half time and go okay the three best players from shirts go on to skins you don't do that you don't say next goal wins and that's what happened today was essentially you know lewis was four nil up and then we had next goal wins but hey uh i, I think matt i think i'm ready to move on from this topic fair enough But this is where I ask Matt where the race was won and lost. And I think we just we lead up to to that point now because strategically there was two teams fighting tooth and nail. And I do say teams fighting tooth and nail for this world championship. Yeah, and we have so much else to talk about, too. I will do my best. We will just give you that that safety car period was one of the critical points because how could you not say that? Sure. And instead, I'm going to take us back to the start where two important things happened. One, Hamilton took the lead, which I really did not see coming I at didn't... all. That was an amazing, and I watched both onboards. I don't think Verstappen had a wretched start, but Hamilton, oh my goodness, had an amazing one. That was a um, 2014 Abu Dhabi start when he just launched it. And you could see it. I mean, it was so close that it looked like um, it was a jump start. That's how quickly Lewis's car moved. That was fantastic. And I was already off of my seat. And then perhaps even more controversially, we had the action at turn seven. Oh, here we go. Where Max <laughs> took it up the inside. Hamilton went off track, drove miles ahead of him, emerged back on track in front, and then failed to give the position back, arguing that he slowed down and gave back the advantage he gained. And and no sooner did we get away from an FIA controversy than we have found another one. Yeah, and we oh, what sweet summer children we were. We thought that was going to be the, <laughs> the controversy that we were all going to be discussing. However, yeah, okay, so my, my view on this might surprise some people unless you've been kind of paying attention. And, and whilst I know that the give back the place rule is always delivered more harshly on the overtaking car if they gain a place and they feel like you shouldn't have done. Um, I, I don't like that you can use the runoff, cut the corner, stay on track and hold the lead. So I've, I've got a bit of sympathy. I think there are extenuating circumstances, but that in isolation, you should say, yes, you, you can't keep the place by taking a big chunk out of the corner, Kyle. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. But on the other hand... You can't just launch up the inside and leave the other car absolutely nowhere to go. There is a rule you have to leave a car's width. Yes, that hasn't been applied much this year. But also, like, so just imagine that there was a a wall on the outside or a gravel trap and it happened at Monaco. 
Hamilton would have been in the wall and Verstappen almost definitely would have been getting quite a big penalty for putting somebody in the wall. The fact that Hamilton can jump the corner, which is maybe why Verstappen did the move, it was a very good move. He came from miles away and he did keep it on track. But I was surprised they didn't investigate it. I was very surprised, but I understand why, because both sides had a very strong case to answer for. The contentious bit was... How much did he lift and how much time did he give back? Remember, Massey has the data, so he must have seen Lewis lift and was satisfied by the amount of time he yielded. But you, yeah, you could argue it was controversial, but I'm, I think it was the right decision, all things considered. I mean, he definitely backed off because um, at one point he slowed down so much, I thought he was going to give the place to Max. Um, and I was like, oh no, I don't want that to happen. But to be fair, I actually think it was the right decision to just let it, like, do you know what? You two have both gone into that corner. Max has shoved you off. You've cut the cut, and he cut the track a lot, and he pinned yeah, it. It wasn't a little bit. Um, was, yeah, you know, he cut yeah. the track a lot, and he pinned it. And I think it was a case of, do you know what? Both have probably done wrong. Let's just return it back to the status quo to what it was previous. And Lewis gave the time back, and we commenced battle. So, Alex, my my only kind of caveat to that is as well. Well, well, I well, I agree with not being able to just pin it and launch it off once you realise you're not going to make the corner. Hamilton was aiming for ending up basically where Max ended up. So he and, and Max came from an awfully long way. And when it came to the the point where those two lines were going to converge, Hamilton goes, "No, I'm gonna I'm gonna dip out of this." So there, there's the slight defence for that because it does feel like you shouldn't be able to do that as the inside car. I think there's some precedence here when they let Raikkonen or Giovinazzi keep the place when Alonso did a similar thing to Verstappen up the inside, there was contact there, but I think Raikkonen ended up off track and and kept the place by going off track. And in that situation, they said, well, you can keep the place because Alonso would yeet you off. off." That was a Cota, wasn't it? Turn one at Cota. Um, And yeah, and and it's that thing I agree with. And it's that I think the Lewis saw Max coming quite late. And he moved, and he moved to take the outside line to sort of hang on to the corner, and then they'd gone, they'd gone through the chicane side by side, and then he saw Max literally mm. launching straight at him. And if Lewis hadn't moved, he'd have had a Red Bull in his side pod. Yeah. So Lewis definitely had to take avoiding action, which is why them keeping the places as they were is the right thing to do because he had Lewis had to take avoiding action. Oh, absolutely! Like I don't think he could have turned in. Somebody said, I think it was Jose said in the chat, Lewis could have braked and then rejoined behind Verstappen no, and passed him at the next corner. Well but he, he couldn't because yeah. they were so yeah. overlapped that Lewis had no choice but to jump the corner. He, unless, well, save from just stopping. And that's not very good at the front of a pack in an F1 race at the start. Like, don't stop. <laughs> but yeah, he, he, yeah he, had, he had no choice. But yeah, he absolutely pinned it. And it's surprising that like, he absolutely pinned it. But he yeah. must have backed off enough to suffer to satisfy the FIA. I'd love to see the data trace from that. Well, as well, I think the FIA did issue that warning to Verstappen. I think it was to Verstappen that we could take points away if you end up just steaming into Hamilton. And had Hamilton held his line, that's the situation we would have had. Let's no mistake. If, if Hamilton had made any attempt to stay on track, which I really think you should be allowed to stay on track, especially as the outside car going into the braking zone two car lengths ahead, you should be allowed to aim for where Verstappen ended up. Verstappen would have creamed into the side of Lewis Hamilton and then we'd have had endless discussions about that because surely they have to... If that was a double DNF for both of them, which it could have been, a one-point deduction for Max, like they said, I don't know. That would have been a whole different kind of controversy. Uh, but I don't know, Matt. But I'll tell you what, Matt. 
Mr. B in our chat makes a really good point, which is there's precedent that it should be given back and there's precedent that it shouldn't. And that's a problem. Well, yeah, but it's one of these things. Do you remember when Max pulled that move at Brazil and then the stewards refused to look at it when there was quote unquote new evidence? So they didn't want to admit they were wrong. But if you look at this incident, essentially they're cleaning up their mess very, very quietly Mm. because Max made a move, left no room for Hamilton, and the stewards very clearly said in their decision to not review it, or in their, in their decision there was no, no further investigation necessary, that Max forced the car off track, left no room at all, and because the advantage in their view was given back, no foul had been committed. And to me, this is their very quiet way of cleaning up the mess they made in Brazil, which more than a few drivers have been making comments about in between. And it's just a subtle signal to the drivers like, we told you what we meant, and now we're showing you that we really mean it. Yeah. And also, this is the first lap. They do tend to be a bit more lenient on these things on the first lap, and they've openly said so. So, yeah, I believe it was the right decision. I completely understand why some people weren't happy with it, and they're calling hypocrisy. But after the inconsistencies we've seen this year, are you really surprised? No, no. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Was that an actual? I didn't know if that was a real question. No, I'm not surprised. Inconsistencies is certainly something that we will address on the on the race on the season review. And so, when Horner and Verstappen were very disappointed to not have the place handed back, I can understand that because Karun Chanduk did a really good uh, uh, Skypad thing where he showed five occasions where Max Verstappen had done exactly what he did at on lap one, turn five here, and it had either benefited him or certainly had not been punished for it. So there's no reason for Verstappen to think that he can't do that. And and so when they were feeling aggrieved, I was like, yeah, yeah, they should feel aggrieved to, to not get that place back because, frankly, they they have all, they have know that there is nothing wrong with that move that they did. I, I think there should be something wrong with that. And then they see Lewis Hamilton not getting punished for cutting the course. Kyle. Yeah, and there was a surprising lack of, this is all about just letting them race. Yeah, where so was race the direction. Them- <laughs> there was a very surprising lack of that. Yeah, where was the let them race, Matt? Let's move on to, to where the race was won and lost because uh, it looks pretty dominant from here. Lewis Hamilton starts stretching his legs. Okay, so I have two more for you okay. that I think mattered the most. And the first of them was Verstappen's first pit stop, which was interesting to me. Because he had fallen well out of undercut range. Like once they, what it seemed like to me, once Red Bull got informed of that decision, they, they, went, um, they went and missed their best opportunity to, to try and undercut, to try and force Lewis into yeah. what would almost certainly be a two-stop strategy. And by letting the gap go out to that long, they made it an easy, I'm going to cover it, and even worse, and probably why they were holding off, is he wound up getting stuck behind Leclerc, who had quite a moment, Norris, and then especially Carlos Sainz, who held him back for almost two laps and and did a number on his tires as well. Yeah, and Verstappen had been complaining quite a lot, well, not quite a lot on the radio. He'd mentioned a few times that the rears was really starting to going, and you can see his pace was dropping. So I don't think this was a strategy we're going to try and trigger it. I think they were pretty much forced into the stop, and they couldn't get out into a clean yeah. bit of track behind them. Um 
Bottas was a bit anonymous in that first bit, but I'm not sure whether he was blocking the pit window. Um, it was the other cars that were blocking yeah. the pit window. Didn't Bottas have COVID and couldn't race? Was that? Oh, was that not him? Oh, that was my. All oh, right, okay. Got confused. But yeah, I I don't think they they really had many cards to play at that point. They were completely beat. They were trying to go as long as they could to try and get a gap, but the pace was starting to drop off dramatically. He cooked his rear tyres. So it's weird to be in that situation where Red Bull are not playing strategy cards. It's weird to see them very much almost beaten at that point. Yeah, and uh, and then for Mercedes to follow them in, yeah, that's the safe thing to do. I can see that because if they didn't, obviously Verstappen would come out on a little bit of a pace advantage to start with. And as you see that pit window go down, go down, go down, then any pit stop means they have to come back out and they will have to re-overtake Max Verstappen. And they just wanted to give Verstappen a wide berth, which I completely understand. But then it kind of puts them on the back foot because without that safety car, they were in a position anyway where they were already having to nurse old tyres with a potential puncture risk with Verstappen on fresher tyres. And so that defensive tactic, even though they had a massive advantage put them on the back foot at the end. I don't think they would have comfortably managed it. But it just shows you the reputation that Verstappen has forged. And, you know, I, I used to do I used to do this when I played a bit of 11 aside. First five minutes, I'm not saying I'm proud of this. I'm just saying in my 20s, first five minutes, I'm a little guy. First five minutes, I would make sure I did a big hit on their biggest midfielder. And I would make sure that it hurt them. And for the rest of the match, that would buy you half a yard. Because they'd always be thinking, oh, crikey, that hurt. I, I don't. I, I'll back off. I'll see what happens. Then you get half a yard on them. Verstappen's got half a yard on the entire field. If he is dictating strategy because Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton don't want to have to overtake him because he's that dangerous, I mean, you can't. I mean, you can't not admire that, Matt. You, it takes work to cultivate that kind of reputation. Yeah, I understand that, but it's important to note that at that at that point. Mercedes was inside the window Pirelli predicted the hard tire would work for. Max was already stuck on that strategy. Either he gives up an extra pit stop or they, they go to the end on those tires. Both massively favored Mercedes at that point. So covering him off then was very low risk, especially because he came out ahead of the traffic that Max got stuck in. Mm-hmm. I think, I think that, brings us, uh, that brings us to Perez. It does. And I'm going to tell you now, what imagine a universe where none of the safety car craziness we discussed earlier even happened. And I say, I would give you that universe had Checo Perez not seen the smallest of openings on the way down to turn five and forced Lewis Hamilton an extra lap of attacking to get round him. Because in my mind, that may have really been the critical issue. It wasn't just an extra lap of attacking, though, was it, Alex? It wasn't just an extra lap. He, Perez all but stopped into the hotel. And you could hear on the radio, they were going, back him up, back him up, back him up. And I was like, well, OK, fair play. But, you know, you can't, the moral high ground was lost a little bit there, wasn't it? Like, fully, like, park it, Jacko, park it. As I tweeted at the time, brilliant job from Sergio Perez playing the brilliant team game. I don't like yeah. you very much right now, but well done. <laughs> um, and and it was, and it's exactly what, well, it's exactly what they would have tried to have done with Bottas, but I don't think Bottas would have put up that much of a fight. Um, I was absolutely blown away by the aggressiveness of Sergio Perez because we don't see that from him very often. Well, hang on a minute. And it was, we, we and did, it was, yeah. And it was 
brilliant to see. I absolutely thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, yes, Mercedes, both Mercedes and Lewis both moaned on the radio, but I think that was more posturing than trying to get anything done. It was a case of, come on, this guy's being silly. He wasn't being silly. He was being brilliantly tactical and Mercedes knew they were in trouble because he cost Lewis a seven-second lead. Yeah, yeah, he absolutely did. And look, I don't have much argument with the, the racing side of it. It was great to see that. The only bit that made me go, ah, you guys, was the literally just the stopping because an extra lap of overtaking doesn't cost you seven seconds. Parking it in the hotel does. Uh, but hey, Hamilton didn't mind in 2016, did he? Uh, Matt, then Kyle. So, and to me, this is the crux of it because those, uh, I calculated it closer to eight seconds or nine seconds, but whatever you give him, there were two crucial things that it resulted in, potentially. And, and the first is, with that extra time, because let's consider coming into that safety car, Hamilton was about 11 or 12 seconds up on Verstappen. Give him an extra seven seconds and 17-second pit stop loss under the virtual safety car, he's in and out ahead of Verstappen. So right there, I argue, is absolutely one way that it, that Perez won Verstappen the championship. I had not considered that. I absolutely agree. That was crucial. Those seven seconds were absolutely crucial. And I was, you made my point span, as I said, Hamilton was very good at parking it through that section in 2016. And he knew the games that were going to play. He made a comment on the radio saying this is a bit dangerous. No, it wasn't. It was on the line. He knew what was going to happen. And as Martin Brundle would say, he's treating it like the hind legs of a donkey not getting anywhere near the back of that red bull because a silly little slip or driving into the back there could have been end of his race it's why i was so surprised that mercedes boxed lewis to react to max because i was i just sat there going yes um you're putting him behind perez that's not a clever thing to do he had loads of pace at the time it was obviously on the better tire he could have gone much longer and they had a lap or two to assess the pace that Max would have had with whether the undercut was going to work. So there was there was another race where Perez did this kind of role with Hamilton and really held him. Was it, was it Portimao? Got to say that, Kyle? Turkey. Oh, was it Turkey? That was right. And, uh, and everyone said, oh, they pushed Perez into the pit lane, which was actually allowed. But, you know, Perez can do that. He can scrap. And despite what people say, I don't think he was there on an even footing. I am very curious to see if he can come out of the blocks fighting uh, next season, I think we'll see a bit more a bit more racing from him. This is an, an out-and-out, I am grateful to have an F1 seat season from Sergio Perez. Matt? And I, just to answer Alex's point, because, you know, I'm a little bit that way, uh, the reason Mercedes weren't too concerned about it is, let's recall, Red Bull started on the soft tire, and they would have had a very accurate idea of when Hamilton would have overtaken him with his brand-new fresh tires, and Perez was on 20-lap-old soft tires. I could see them thinking he could put up a fight, but the extension of that fight, A, no one saw coming, and B, I mean, I'm curious, you're a racer. Did Hamilton just leave that door maybe a little bit open, and is that maybe a mistake that might also have cost him? So with regards to the tyres, the second tyre whisper on the track is Sergio Perez. So if anyone's going to make tyres magically last longer than they should go, should be, it's going to be Sergio Perez. Um, I think during their fight, Lewis was leaving as much margin as possible because the last thing he wanted to do was get tangled up with Perez because 
if Perez wanted to do a Verstappen and launch it at Lewis, which he kind of did, but actually did a better job, um, and Perez hit Lewis, there's no point deduction there. Lewis treated the back of that Red Bull like the rear legs of a donkey. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. A lot can happen in the next three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quick question then. To, to Let's do to Kyle and then to Matt also. Did Lewis Hamilton, this race, and I guess by extension other races, did they give Red Bull too much respect? Enough respect? On defensive terms, yes. And on attacking terms, we can get to later that, that last lap. I was surprised that Lewis... Go on, no, go for it now. That's fine. I said, yeah. I was surprised Lewis left the door open... At the start, didn't cover it off. I'm surprised he did that at the start of the final lap. And on the final lap, I'm surprised when they were going after the chicane, going into his one and last overtaking opportunity, there was room on the inside, right up against the wall. I'm surprised he didn't just go for broke and go for the inside. He chose the outside, which was always going to have one outcome. He was either going to be shoved off the road or not make it round. So I was quite surprised. Yeah, Lewis gave him a lot of respect and was not massively fighty, really, when he's when he's on that, he wasn't covering off moves, which is quite surprising. Yeah. And, and to me, this is, if, if you're going to criticize Hamilton for anything, and I think Mercedes and, and Hamilton made all the right choices to me, it just comes down to the inside running down to turn five. Yeah. He left it open for Perez and that's, and again, he didn't take it against Verstappen. And, and I just, I wonder a little bit about that. Oh, I think against Verstappen, the tire difference was so massive. Do you remember we were already being negative of could these old tires last against Verstappen's new hard tires? It was never going to compete against the softs, Alex. So I, I, I'm loath to criticise Hamilton for not defending well enough on that last lap. Um, I think Lewis got caught out. I didn't think Lewis was. I didn't think Lewis thought Max was going to make a dive into the hairpin like he did. I think he was very much preparing himself for a decent launch out of the hairpin to keep him off from the chicane. And I think Max outfoxed him a little bit. But at the end of the day, as you say, it was brand new sauce yeah. versus versus yeah. forty lap old hard tires. It wasn't a race. 
everyone kept saying, oh, well, let's just let them race, let them race, let them race. It wasn't. That's not a competition. Anybody would have overtaken Lewis on a brand new soft tire. Matt? So I promised you two ways that the safety car problem might not have happened. That was the first one, and I think the more plausible one. But consider this, that when the safety car was called, Hamilton was exiting turn 14 on that lap. It's a 31.8 sector lap. So it's entirely conceivable that if he had that extra time, and if you look at how much of the lap was left, it's about a third of the lap left, it's not entirely inconceivable. He might have been already on the next lap had Perez not cost him that time. And again, we would have seen uh, a different result with that safety car. It would not have been possible to do what Mazzy did if he'd had one less lap, if he'd started the whole process one lap later, and we were a Perez defense away from that happening. Mm, okay, well, look. <sighs> there we go. I think that Did is... I made that, my case? Yeah, I think you've made your case. And I think, look, the, the race was very much... 70 30 as we started as we went into it and and i think it was pretty much playing out exactly how we thought apart from the fact that hamilton surprisingly got a good start on the harder compound which i don't think anyone really predicted but after that it felt pretty routine so you have to take your hat off to red bull especially in the last few races because they have been the underdogs in the last few races i am not having this Verstappen claimed that the season would have been over long ago if he'd have had Hamilton's car. Red Bull have had the better car for big chunks of this season. But for the, the last part of the season, they have been clinging onto a lead Braun style and, and they've thrown everything at it. So, you know, a good qualifying performance. Let's not forget that amazing teamwork to get a toe, whether or not it was ultimately the deciding thing. They sure did suck a Mercedes and they sure did get it on pole to give them a chance to harass on race day. I called it, I called it on the show that they would start the race on softs because that again was their only option of being racy at the beginning and being aggressive and going for the two stop. They, Verstappen did what he does best, which is launch it. I don't like that tactic, but he did. He launched it into turn five, made things really hard for Hamilton. On a different day, different stewards would have investigated that and said, swap it back. And then you'd have had a different race again. They deployed Perez to be pretty mucky. That's pretty mucky driving. Same way, 2016 Lewis, that was mucky. I was mucky driving. You know it's mucky driving. So I don't call it mucky. It's I, mucky. It's all He did nothing untoward. The moves that he pulled were legitimate. They oh. were safe. There was no... Um, there's, there was no big lunges in the uh, in like, no, like no, 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 there was no, 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 no. There was no Max Verstappen lunges in that sense. No. And with regards to backing him up, it's a legitimate tactic. <laughs> And I, you know, and I, I said it was a legitimate tactic when Lewis did it in 2016 to try and get his own teammate overtaken by, to be fair, another German and Max Verstappen, which was never going to happen. Um, so I can't sit here and say it's not a decent and legitimate tactic from Red Bull to try and do it to to Lewis. No, no, that's it fine. Was, and it was that was better for the show than anything else that happened. Um, uh, and I thought I thought Perez did a great job. Okay, I think that's the equivalent in football when I hit my big central midfielder and he's on the ground, and then I go, "Oh, hey, come on, mate!" And I try and help him up, but actually I pull him by his armpit hairs. And there's no harm done, is there? I haven't broken the rules. Remind me never to play football with you. Haven't broken the rules, have I? But it's a bit mucky. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. But look, Red Bull threw absolutely everything they could, and that included. 
in the steward's office. That included appeals. That included in the media. That included barracking of the race director, which they probably did better than Toto Wolf because Christian Horner said when the safety car was in, he was yelling. He said, it was his words, Horner. I was yelling at the race director, get the race going, get the race going, get the race going. Getting the race going when you wouldn't naturally have got it going could only ever have favoured Max in that situation and they were barracking and that's part of it. That's the game they've played. And I will say as well, Verstappen fans out there You've outperformed and had an effect on this season as well, because you can hear commentators pandering to the pressure that Verstappen fans have put on 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 social media. They have swarmed in targeted pockets everywhere. They have influenced the sport massively. So look at Red Bull as a whole, as a whole entity. They have thrown everything at it. And I will I will respect that game. And I will say that the other side in all aspects We'll need to step it up because Max Verstappen's not going away, Red Bull's not going away, and next season they are going to approach it, Carl, in exactly the same way. Yeah, I don't necessarily agree with the well, what I call the Red Bull media campaign that they've been on recently. It's been pretty disingenuous the last, um, dare I say it's it. It's worked, but they've yeah. played the referees. It's influenced decisions. And it has, and I was just about to say, up until this point, I think, well, up until the race ending... I think Mercedes and Toto had actually played it much cooler in the press. Yeah, Toto lost his mind afterwards and 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 we still haven't heard from him. So I said up to that point, I believe they'd played it better. I mean, it's probably undone most of that hard work, but I don't agree with the disingenuous and all of the, any opportunity to throw shade to your competitors and make accusations. They played every card in the book. But as you said, fair play. That, this, like, this was their tactics. It was a clear campaign and a clear tactic. And yes, and yes, it's worked. So will they do it next year? Maybe not, but but it worked. And yeah, hats off. Matt? Right. I, I agree with you. It's always, the thing that frustrates me most about this is, is we have heard from people in the sport that the kind of special pleadings that have been so featured during the race have always gone on. This has always been a part of the sport. Sure. We've just never had access before. And I think it rubs, some people love it. They love the drama of it. And for some people, it really rubs them the wrong way. And and we're getting two new fans versus old fans and what's sport and what's entertainment. We're coming back to that because things are changing, maybe for the better, maybe for the worse. But if you're looking at the bottom line of a business, it's kind of hard to argue with the way things are going right now. Let's argue about other things then. Okay, well, uh, let's look at the midfield a little bit. Instantly, Norris missed out. Any, any kind of in, input into Norris's start? All I saw that he was suddenly just off track. But from starting from third position, from hero to kind of zero, and then bad luck at the end. Um, I don't know what happened with that early bat- battling, but I wonder if he didn't just second guess himself a bit. Because you heard in the interviews about him saying, oh, I don't know whether I should get involved or not. And I wonder if he just got stuck in no man's land. Well, I think he actually wound up a victim of Hamilton's overtake at the start because I believe he wound up going wide and losing that place to signs. But at the end of the day, what really did him in was the um, was the slow leak. They had to bring him in for the extra pit stop. Until then, he was in fifth place and, and actually looking quite good. Oh, OK. How did he end up back in fifth? 
uh, just good. He didn't lose that many places. And then it was just, it was good pit stops. Um, he was far enough up the road that when we came to the virtual safety car, which is the Mercedes tactical decision we've not discussed yet, but it was a tactical decision for several people as well. You had two people, Gasly and Alonzo on hard tires come in because they started on the hard tires. They got a cheap pit stop out of it. But for a couple of runners, including Norris, it gave them a couple of places that they were formally, it was going to be theirs anyway, but they were, they were quick enough that, that they were on the correct side of the exit of Gasly and Alonso. Oh, okay. So Gasly and Alonso sort of fall back to where they should have been, if you like. Yeah. Ahead, uh, amazingly, of um, Gasly was right behind Tsunoda and um, I believe Alonso ahead of Ocon, which really was bad news because up until then, Ocon was definitely in Alonso's pit stop window and Gasly's as well. So he could have been several places up the field. But that, that first virtual safety car really did sort of reset the midfield battle. And, um, and as well, of course, it was a tactical decision for Mercedes to stay out while Verstappen got the fresher set of tires. Okay, so out of your, your virtual safety car there, you've li- written out a list of, of winners and losers here. But it's, um, the names I'm looking for are signs and Sonoda because signs ended up on the podium and like and like nearly no one cares like signs is just there. me I also I did a thing I did good and Sonoda I didn't even realize till Sonoda himself tweeted it that he finished P4 and I'm like oh blimey Kyle so oh, sorry, Matt, then Kyle. Uh, let's get a comment from Kyle then go to you I was about to say, I want to watch the race back again because I was trying to pay attention to the midfield <laughs> and just couldn't because I was so in fit, like fixated on the front battle. But yeah, shout out to Sonoda, amazing. And I think, is that the first time he has beaten Gasly in, when they both sort of finished? He's actually got, got ahead. And Carlos Sainz, nobody mentions him. He's like the <laughs> stealth Sainz I've written in my notes because he's just, <laughs> just stealthily cruised onto the podium and hardly anyone's noticed. <laughs> And am I right? Science has actually beaten Leclerc in the points. Oh, which, which is which is incredible because um, I think I called Spanners on this earlier in the se- early early in the season nope. when he went. Science is a journeyman, and you know <laughs> it's Leclerc's team and all that bloody blah. And I said science has been massively underrated. He gave Max a run for his money at, Tor- at Toro Rosso. And he has well and truly proved his worth this season. He's been fantastic. Um, outside of the top two drivers, I think he's like my one or two for driver of the year. Okay, just a quick note to the editors. Can we just edit that out so that it seems like he didn't say that? Okay, and then I'll deny it on Twitter or whatever. Matt? Well, the thing that I want to point out is that not only did Science take P5 and the drivers away from Leclerc, who who got who was on the losing end of the pit stop of the safety car virtual safety car shuffle, but he was nine points behind. Norris was only four points behind, so he actually beat the both of them oh. uh, with with just really some some amazing driving and a great deal of good luck to go along with it. Okay, so oh, so I didn't realize he'd actually finished ahead of Norris as well. Yep, oh, Norris had such a strong start to the season. I can't. Oh. Uh, uh, sorry, Kyle. Yeah, and just to continue the science love, because he really doesn't get a lot of love, and Alex almost touched on it there, and I thought he was going to take my comment away, <laughs> which is not, but um, science is my driver of the season, to be honest. Like, um, new new car, Ferrari, and the clerk, remember, everyone's rating the clerk as, like, the next, you know, one of these prodigies, and not he's going to be amazing, and, and is at, 
and science has pretty much matched him. They've been so close. They've done lots of battles and a brand new team has slotted straight in. Science, what an amazing job. And hopefully he gets a bit more coverage and a bit more love next year. <laughs> the cameras hate him. It's amazing to me because he's gone to how many different teams and at every team he has been superior given time. And what was slightly hilarious about it to me, and, and we brought it up earlier talking about the uh, lapped runners not being sent through, is we all remember Ocon being completely forgotten at the start in Saudi Arabia by Mazzi. No, yeah. Well, it's kind of the same thing here. Science is like, well, wait, what about me? I'm in third place and you've just left me behind lapped runners. With regards to Norris falling off the cliff, I also think the McLaren fell off the cliff. Sure. And I'm, yeah. and I'm just hoping the reason the McLaren fell off the cliff is they just turned off development on that car and have focused purely on the 2022 um, contender because I so desperately want McLaren back at the front. Right. Well, I can make you feel better about that straight away. First of all, they had to burn all their tokens just fitting the Mercedes into their car. And second of all, it's more like Ferrari raised a mountain not so much McLaren fell off a cliff. I think their performance has been pretty consistent, mostly. I mean, they've had a few unlucky weekends where bad things have happened. But really, it's in Ferrari's the upgrade engine? that raised the bar. Did they put in the 2017 engine? They switched from the, the, the <laughs> no, no, Renault no, no. To, the, to the Mercedes Ferrari. engine, and it burned Ferrari. all the tokens, so they couldn't develop the rest of the car. You okay, oh, yeah. for the Ferrari. No, they did not. <laughs> they found um, some new tricks to play. The thing that's really interesting about all this is I'm. I I feel like I can I can feel a 2009 coming again, where Mercedes and Red Bull have put so much into this season, even though they said they weren't going to, but it definitely looks like they have. That all of a sudden we're going to get a repeat of 09. Those two are going to drop off a cliff, and we're going to have McLaren and Ferrari at the front again. And I won't be sad about that because Norris and Ricciardo are my two favourite drivers, and McLaren's my favourite team. So, yeah, um, I don't think Mercedes. Well, they come out in the end. They they didn't spend their tokens in the end. So I don't think Mercedes actually invested that much into the season on the car development. I think Red Bull have thrown everything and the kitchen sink and the next door neighbor's cat at it. I think they may have hurt themselves next year. But I think Mercedes, like not using their tokens is really surprising. I think Mercedes have had half an eye on next year. They've had more than half. Silverstone was their last major upgrade. And Red Bull brought what... I think maybe, although it's not yet confirmed, a brand new spec front wing to this race, just to tell you where the priorities have been. Okay. Well, okay then. Okay, well, look, uh, congratulations to Carlos Sainz and apologies. Because we, the thing is, we are at the mercy of the TV coverage. So if Carlos Sainz gets routinely ignored, which he seems to be, then, you know, then we're somewhat limited. We're not at the track with 17 monitors. So let's hope that... It gets a bit of coverage next season and uh, and let's pay more attention to that Ferrari battle because it's almost the soul of Ferrari being fought for between Leclerc and Sainz. And next season, they're not going to be competitive for the World Championship next season, but it will be a primer for maybe them launching a, a new campaign at some point. Who's going to be their number one driver? Who's going to lead that team? There can only be one. It raises an interesting point. Who will lead Ferrari next season? I don't think we know yet. No, you're right. I don't think we know. Uh, Carl, quick one on Ferrari and then we'll move on. I don't think anybody's going to leave it. I think we're going to see them having two number ones for the first time ever. And if they're fighting towards the front, I think they're just going to let them get on with it. Okay. Someone's pointing out that I can watch every single driver cam. Uh, but actually, is that true? In the UK, can have we got access to... 
to the F1 pit lane stuff where we can choose any driver cam? I think that might I be a non-UK thing. Bu- oh, I think it's on the red button. I think it's on the red button. Okay, fine. Well, if you're going to... I ever watch it. I, don't, I think you can only pick one, though. I think you can only pick one there. So I'll let myself off. Matt, what should we be covering? I mean, as you go down the field, a uh, disaster again for the, for the white cars in general. So uh, uh, did any Haas or Alpha finish or do anything? I believe Haas managed to finish, which is good. Russell, I know, got something in his airbox, which kind of ruined his race. Uh, Tsunoda was the other big winner out of the safety car, virtual safety car. And I think I did mention that they wound up being able to put on the soft tires, which is why they were able to advance. But for Tsunoda, it's been coming. He's been really fast the last couple of races in the free practices, even in qualifying. And in Saudi Arabia, he actually was, he had a really terrible start. But I'm kind of curious to see what next season brings with Tsunoda, because he really seems to have come into his own, especially in this race. And I think he might be faster than Gasly. All right. Uh, Kyle. Well, I was just about to say, like, that's quite a bold claim to be faster than Gasly. But one thing we know about Tsunoda is he isn't afraid to get his elbows out. He's pretty feisty and not afraid to to do the moves. He's, He's rounding outside of turn six at... Um, last time out in Saudi Arabia against Leclerc was an awesome move. It didn't really get picked up on much by like the footage, but I really want to see the onboard from his last couple of laps because I think he put some moves in to get up into fourth. It's just consistency for him. That's all he needs to find. He's got he's got speed, but his and his speed was never undeniable. Um, but he just seemed can't seem to put it together weekend after weekend after weekend. Hopefully, this will give him a whole boost of confidence, and we can see him really come out the blocks. And you know. With Gasly alongside him and that Alpha Tauri doing really, really well, we could see special things from Alpha Tauri next year. Okay. I interrupt this program. <laughs> 60 seconds of your time. My last call it is the 12th of December. You have forgotten at least one F1 fan that you are supposed to buy a present for. I can recommend my friend Magnus's magazine. It's an accredited magazine so it's all proper in that it's an a3 glorious compilation in four volumes of great f1 pictures there's some themes uh, there's an around the world theme there's a 70s one there's a an american themed one i think um, but go and check it out at the link below race weekend magazine a hundred dollars for four magazines two of them are already out but it's a subscription and you will you will really make the f1 fan or yourself Uh, happy this christmas if you go and check it out free delivery in the us and the uk otherwise i think it's 15 dollars worldwide at least go and check it out look at that link because that will make a really good stocking filler but only if you've got an a3 sized stocking but please do check that out race weekend magazine Okay, Matt, I think we're heading towards the podium. Is there anything you're jumping up and down to draw my attention to? No, I just, you want to make sure you get to all the unusual stories. And I know Ricardo lost out, safety car, virtual safety car. Uh, Leclerc lost out, just bad strategy from Ferrari. And the medium tire, interesting to me, no better than the hard in this race. Yep. Anyone else want to pretend to find that interesting, Carl? Um, yeah, <laughs> something else that I'm forcing myself to try to be interested in as well. And this yeah. is bad. Don't take it, don't, and don't take it the wrong way. It was, um, Raikkonen, unfortunately retiring from his, from his final race, but that's kind of been swept over. And also 
Speedy Jesus, Geo as well, went out, but nobody seems to care. Okay. <laughs> Alpha I'll, making I'll its reputation guys. yet again with reliability. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Yep. I think we've tell I think, me about it. I think we specifically said don't call him Speedy Jesus on the. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> there was a memo that never happened. Alex, Speedy, what? If, Who if, did someone say if, something? If I'm not going to get hate for hating on Max and being overly hamfosy today, I don't really care that Kimmy's gone. Nope. Um, I'm. I think it should have happened three or four years ago. He's been sitting in a seat that he doesn't care about. He just likes driving Formula One cars and. Could there could have been other drivers in that seat? I feel the same thing with Oscar Piastri brilliantly winning the F2 championship this year. You know, Alonso sat in the seat that he should probably be in, and Alonso's not winning the championship again. And he's, you know, give a young guy the, the chance rather than keeping these old boys in the sport. So, quick mention of Alonso being Alonso again, like playing the referee when he was in a in a battle, Kyle. Did you see that? And then he like he, yeah. he, he missed the right hander into the hotel and just fully cut across it and then spent like a minute justifying it on the radio. It was really strange. So he said that was dangerous, always pushed me off. And I think that was against Sonoda, wasn't it? Um, and I couldn't see anything wrong with it. And then Alonso again, I think in his head is... I guess, well, I'm above the law. I know what's going on. And just he just went for a crazy, didn't he? And yeah. absolutely pinned it. Unfortunately, it cut away. But as you said, that was Alonso doing Alonso things. Oh, Alonso will be happy today because he has been pushing the Max Verstappen train like all season. Like just any opportunity to say Verstappen is amazing and he's been going for it. And even said, I think in like Hungary, I will hold up Hamilton. And he said in the past, you know, he's kind of on team Verstappen, like an extra Toro Rosso. Uh, but Going back to Alex's point with Piastri, you know, a lot of people are getting upset that Piastri has won three junior titles in a row and there's no F1 seat for him. People are, are blaming Joe, who's taking the Alfa Romeo seat. I don't know why I heard people blaming. I think Piastri was in the running for that at some point. But if you're going to get angry about Joe, they get angry the Latifi's holding up a, a Williams place. Mazepin is 20. Mazepin's 21st out of 20 cars get upset with those guys stroll i guess to a lesser extent now he's had the experience but i think you know that's five places and let's add alonso to that as well if you want alex that's five places that perhaps you could argue piastri should have yeah it's you know and there isn't enough rotation in this sport for people who aren't performing versus people who are performing in lower categories and deserve their shot i mean in a way there should be more shuffle in Formula One. Okay, you keep the top guys in, of course, you know, it'd be crazy to throw out Max because he'd been around for seven years and not won a title until today, but to um, keep these new guys out of the sport, and especially when there's that terrible rule in F2 that the champion can't stay on, what are they supposed to do? All he's going to do is sit on the sideline for the next 12 months in a reserve driver's seat and rot. Matt? Ocon survived. Just going to say, he managed it. And hey... he was massively backed by Mercedes, though. I'm not certain what Piastri has. I, I know he's backed by um, Alpine, but how long does Alonso want to hang around for? I don't know, but I want to hang around long enough to drink champagne! <laughs> that brings us to the back end of this Abu Dhabi race review. And I was a bit worried. I was a bit worried about the podium and how it would all go down. And um, after the last podium where Verstappen wanted no part of it and ended up storming off I did wonder how it would be taken and I, I want to take my hat off to both sets of drivers be very clear here drivers 
for conducting themselves incredibly well post-race. So Lewis Hamilton, it's hard. It's a hard one to swallow, especially in that circumstance. There was no hissy fit. There was no toddler tantrums. Congratulated Max Verstappen, took it on the chin, went and spoke to his dad, Anthony Hamilton, went and congratulated Max Verstappen as well, talked about don't argue this, just take it on the chin, move on. That That's the coach talking. And that's, you know, that's the coach of a kid talking, to be fair, not elite athlete. But that's what you say to your kid, you know, take it on the chin, move on. You did everything you could. Did you do everything you could? Good. Then I'm proud of you. That's what I say to my kids. If you leave it on the pitch, if you walk off of there thinking you could have done more, or if you walk off the pitch not caring, I get angry at my kids. But if they try their best and they get beaten by someone in a, in a good circumstance and by someone who did better, I say to them, just be happy that you got to take part in that. That is sport. So from the Hamilton sign, very well conducted. I think Max Verstappen toned it correctly as well. Of course, he's ecstatic. But, you know, this was not an eight ball break. This was his opponent was up to the eight ball. He still had a couple of balls left and kind of Lewis hit it, uh, potted the black. And then there was an unlucky ricochet and an in off. So Verstappen played, played it to that. I think Verstappen was respectful of the fact that they had a, a heck of a heck of a rub of the green in this race and that does not take away from any of the stuff in the season both drivers would have been worthy winners but both I think were respectful and proper in their celebration so we had a good podium Hamilton played his part he sprayed the champagne respectfully from a distance and that's going to hurt him Um, but I think as well I feel a little bit sad for the Red Bull camp I agree that things should be investigated and I agree that we need to have a long look at what happened and why it happened but that wasn't Red Bull's fault. That wasn't Red Bull's fault at all. And I have to say, Kyle, I, I did feel for them having to deal with all that stuff afterwards when really they should have been having the the party of their life. Yeah, I agree. And it was really nice to hear the emotion on the radio. I think it was Alex Albon who came on the radio straight to Max. And regardless of who you support or anything, it's, it's, it's always brilliant. I'd like to think that even if you're the most avid, hardcore Lewis Hamilton fan you enjoy hearing that outburst of emotion when someone has been pushing so hard for something and they get it. So that was making me smile, hear that. Um, And yeah, he conducted himself very, very well. You were seeing Jos was in tears, like Christian Horner was in tears and all of a sudden the media campaign all dropped and it was all nice. And as soon as it was over, it was like, right, okay, fair play. Well done to Mercedes, everything like that. But then unfortunately, yeah, the stewards, the stewards, had to happen it had to happen Mercedes had to question it um they had to call it up because procedures were not followed it was unprecedented so they had to fill it. but yeah I did feel a bit sorry for Max because they all probably wanted to go to the bar and have a massive celebration and <laughs> yeah. they couldn't and they're sitting there saying oh we've got to sit outside the headmaster's office now like bubbling I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if some of them were sneaking some hit flasks of whiskey in there with them and sitting there goes right can we start the party now like no. so that was unfortunate no Europeans visiting the Middle East have ever done that Oh, oh, of course, they're in the middle. No, they would never do that. Yep, I'll take that back. All right. So let's give out some awards. Uh, Well, are we ready for the awards? Because the first one's quite a positive one. I'm going thing of the weekend. And only because I'm very, very scared of Ellen, I'm going to say Yuki Tsunoda with his fourth place and uh, and, and probably a a fitting reward for a gradual uh, and gentle improvement throughout the season. But how about you, Van Jean? Alex Van Jean on Twitter. 
Alex Van Jean on YouTube, V-A-N-G-E-E-N. Go and follow Alex. All his links are in our show notes below. It's definitely worth checking out our show notes. It, it's just below the bit that says become a Missed Apex patron and get all the good off-season content, which we'll give to everyone anyway. But there'll be some extra stuff as well. Next season, there'll be scheduled extra content for patrons. So, But before you go to patreon.com forward slash Missed Apex, go and check out the links to follow Alex Van Jean. Alex, you've got through the race review. Where Lewis Hamilton lost to Max Verstappen after a very tough season. Are you fine? Are you fine? Are you okay? Now? I'm all right. You're all right. I'm, I, I, I'm all right. You know, because to be fair, after the performance of the Red Bull in Mexico, I'd kind of given up on the championship anyway. Lewis did what Lewis does and managed to reintroduce some hope. Um, and it wasn't to be, you know, at the end, at the end of the day, um, it didn't matter which one of those drivers won this championship. They, they were both sublime all season long. They both were aggressive. Both did things wrong. Both did th- lots of things right. And it is what it is. I was not in the best of mood straight after, but I've chilled out now and I'm all right. Okay. The, um, the question as far was, as my thing yeah. of the weekend, um, it goes to Sergio Perez, uh, for that defense on Lewis playing the team game, that's that's how you keep your seat in Formula One. That's how you go racing as well. I think he did some of the best racing I've seen all season. He was aggressive. He was firm. He gave space. That is just let them race. That is aggressive racing. Mm. That is how you go racing. Max can learn from Sergio. Mm. Kyle, edgy power. You are a bit edgy on the old Twitter. You're very popular on the Twitter. You know, people like you. Do you know the amount of people that have said Kyle is my favourite panellist? It's it's quite a lot, mate. I've missed that. No, there's always comments in our... Oh, yeah, I forget to send them to you. But they are here in our our Slack group and we get emails and YouTube comments. And uh, and whenever you post on Twitter, it is very popular. So I think you should do it more at KylePowerF1, considering we had to bully you. Onto Twitter. I'm on there completely out of duress. <laughs> Who is your thing of the weekend? What? My thing of the week, I actually want to do two. I've got to, but I, I'm conscious of stealing other people. So I'm going to say my thing of the weekend um, is Hamilton's interview. How you conduct yourself after facing such bitter disappointment and to try to conduct yourself to say the right things and to go and congratulate Max and do that and take it on the chin, which I was surprised. I was expecting a bit of bottom lip out and I was expecting a bit of a fiery interview and how he conducted himself under those situations. Yeah, fair play, respect. That's good. Okay, thank you for that, Kyle. I think Matt, two rumpets at MattPT55. People also uh, do often delight in telling me that they can't stand me, but they will stay with the show for for you. Uh, and as long as they uh, as long as they keep clicking, I guess that's okay. It's mean, but it's okay. But we do we do have some trumpet fussy as well. Yeah, n- not a lot. I'm an acquired taste, I believe. Most people show up for you. Okay. Ah, uh, well, it's lies, but thank you. But do know that if you support us on Patreon, you're also supporting Matt as well because Matt does a a lot of production and prep work for Mister Apex Podcast. Indeed, I do. And the thing that I love about this award, and I was going to say, Kyle, there's no way you're stealing mine because no one's going to steal mine because I'm going to use it to settle a grudge that goes back to, I think, 2016. Because <laughs> oh, as God. we all know, so that's Nico Rosberg was on the TV 
with Jensen Button, and he made the comment, what is it with Honda? They always pull out, like, at the wrong moment. They've just won a championship. And Button goes, ahem, you did the same thing. (laughs) And to me, that just, like, yeah, I know the racing was brilliant. We've had the best season I can imagine. The cars have been closer than they've ever been in my life. But oh my, that was pretty awesome. <laughs> Some follow-ups here in the live chat. Tobias, who I believe is Dutch, sorry if you're not, says, uh, I think all the Dutchies will agree that we hope Max will be as graceful when he loses a World Drivers' Championship after his first seven. So, I mean, yes. And I think Lukash made the point as well that probably easier to be gracious when you've got seven in your back pocket and you've got a couple of seasons left as well. So, yes, uh, very good. And lots of support, lots of people backing up and saying that Matt and Kyle are both their favourite panellists. Let's do our super... Ne- yeah, Alex, no one's saying... <laughs> hey, no one's saying me either, Alex. There's that bottom lip. Let's do the bad thing. Oh, uh, Kyle? Can I do my other thing of the weekend? Or thing of the weekend, please? Do it, do it, do it. Um, a new Formula One world champion, which I don't think we've actually said, you know, <sighs> like it or loathe it, we have a new Formula One world champion. The young one, like Red Bull, have done their mission, so that needs to be... Okay, okay. Kyle was my favourite panellist. Yeah, he was. I hate him now. On on reflection, <laughs> when I've got had a time to uh, to sip a sherry after the show and think about it, on that kind of broad F1 scope, yeah, maybe it's not amazing that Mercedes would have won their seventh world championship. In, oh, no, well, they did win the constructor, so that doesn't work. But in the seventh year in a row to have a Mercedes driver win the title maybe it's not the worst thing in the world that Verstappen has picked up that title. I'm not ready for that yet. I think everyone, well, can you give me a week? Give me till the season review to be as reflective and mature about it, Kyle. Okay, uh, the Missed Apex Award. Oh, no, you missed the Apex. Yay, this is where we get to be judgy, judgy pantses. Alex, from your sim rig, you're sat in your sim rig while doing this. Who I'm would... planning on driving the W12 after this. Oh, yeah. Mercedes have released the, the Halo 2020 iRacing car. It's really good. Anyway, we don't want to talk about that. Um, <laughs> what is your Missed Apex Award going? I'm so to... glad you came to me first. Okay, good, good. Michael Massey and the stewards. I, I, I don't know what they were drinking before the start of this race, but they got everything wrong. Um, to be fair, it goes for most of the season. It's just been so inconsistent. If they were if they were consistently giving the wrong decisions, I'd be less annoyed. Yeah. But they sometimes give the right decision. They sometimes give the wrong decision. They sometimes give no decision. Yeah. And something's got to change. Do I believe Michael Massey should lose his job? No, because first of all, who wants that damn job? Who is there lined up to take that job? I think he just needs help. When we had Charlie, Charlie had Herbie Blash. And Herbie Blash was his right-hand man, and they dealt with stuff together. And it doesn't look like he's got any support. Also, stop the um, chats between uh, the team managers. Yeah, and, it was fun and, at it, first. It, it, yeah. it was. It was fun at first. But when you have Christian Horner yelling, let them race, and Toto yelling whatever Toto was yelling, it's it's, it's not, not right, Michael. Motorsport. It's not professional motorsport, and it takes away a lot of it. Um, so yeah, yeah, and I think, yeah, no, I, totally. And this is this is it, and this is what I was saying in my intro. I think Michael Massey has a lot of pressures from from all sides, and it's probably very easy to get caught up in a, a narrative of 
the story almost and get lost in it and and visualizing you know he's probably had meetings where people have drummed into him you know the world is watching you you are everywhere this will be the highest viewed thing and blah and then the prospect of finishing under a safety car in that moment and it not being a sexy finish i we don't know the pressures he's under but i think matt hit the nail on the head yeah let's just give him a team put him put him at the top of the tree for sure put him in charge of just conducting the race but let him delegate out to people and do you know what Give him some damn cover. Give him bottom cover and give him top cover. Because at the moment, he's taking the flak for everything. He should be able to say, a team decided that thing and I took the advice from them. He, he doesn't seem able to say that at the moment. He should have top cover from Liberty as well. If he's going to be the voice, the public face of it, he also needs some top cover. Okay. Oh, God, I, got, I didn't realise how passionate I was going to get then. Sorry, edit out that. Edit out the passion. Kyle, who missed the apex for you? Um, I've got one, but it's it's not really missed the apex or misjudging it. It's just because I felt sorry for them. And that was poor Bottas oh, celebrating man. his final race for Mercedes and jumping into the water all like celebrating and yay when the whole rest of the team are absolutely gutted did he do that and going to the stewards oh. yeah and i was like oh like but i feel really sorry for him because it's a big momentum for him but it's just overshadowed by the <laughs> argument and what was happening at the end and he was all happy doing that and there was some of the mercedes team members trying to be happy and nice mm. with him because they won yeah. the world championship i guess and there was that but i mean yeah. you can't argue I, look he had a lower power unit today i think i can't mm-hmm. remember who made the comment but someone said his power unit's older than Kimi raikkonen so there's some <laughs> mitigating circumstances there <laughs> but he did seem like he phoned it in today Uh, Matt well I I did want to mention the special uh, fail chassis 77 setting on the Mercedes which turned up a message in finish for him which even in the midst of the ultimate battle between Hamilton and Verstappen Mercedes managed to remember to ask him to trigger it turned up a special message on his dash so I think yeah, and they won the constructors that's the one that comes with the money. I'm still going to go with this. They won the most important prize. Oh, yeah. and Maybe that's... not the most marketable prize, but the most important And one. that's why Toto Wolf was celebrating in the garage and not dragging a QC into the FIA's office. All right, Matt, who missed the apex for you? Well, it's got to be, oh, there's so many things I could go with. It's got to be Alpha. Here's Kimi Raikkonen, storied driver, legend for many different reasons, not all of them related to performance mm. on track, in the Formula One paddock, brakes fail, done a third of the way through the race, pulling his gloves off, and that's that for that. And then two laps later, there goes his other departing teammate, Giovinazzi, under similar, somewhat disturbing, they had they had possibly the best power unit, I, the most reliable power unit, and just all season long, They've just not gotten it done. And I'm going to say it's not just the drivers. It's not just the drivers. And I'm a bit concerned about them next season. However, their um, their tribute to Kimmy was funny on the it side was. of the car, which was, dear Kimmy, we'll leave you alone now. And it was just basically bye to Joe Vinanzi on the side of his car. But, no, no, um, no, it's, it's worse. It's an worse. Italian word for you. It's worse. Joe Vinanzi's helmet was a tribute to Kimmy. Just, I don't know, just... Do you know what I mean? Just... And Kimmy's helmet was a replica of his first ever helmet in F1, which no. was last touch. Okay, do we? Do we have any ponies? Anyone got a pony? Oh, yeah, lots of hands are up. Daddy, I want a pony. 
Toto and Christian for just yelling incoherent messages mm. at Michael for that farce at the end. And, you know, they're both as bad as each other. Um, both scream, and to be fair, and also for lap one as well. Um, they're both as bad as each other. They've actually, Toto was really high in my estimations as a team boss. And the last few races, he's really started to get pictured. It's so and, tense. And, and, and I know he's tense and I know he's under a lot of pressure and it just shows how much he wants it. But he's kind of resorted to Christian Horner's level a little bit. Um, and I don't want to see Toto there. I hope he brushes off this season and comes back as the respectable man that we know he is. Mm. Okay, Kyle. I'm also going to give it to Toto. Um, uh, well, as Alex has sort of mentioned, and I mentioned earlier, the sort of Red Bull media campaign, and up until the end, is Christian Horn have been taking all of the pot shots, and I held Toto in higher esteem as I did. He undid all that at the end of the race, I'm afraid. Um, and then not shaking his hand and going to the stewards. He wouldn't come down to shake Christian Horner's hands. I'm just like, right, to, yeah, come down, shake the hand, say it, then go and argue it. Mm. Like, yeah, so, and yeah, I believe he, he dropped very much down to Christian Horner's level and a little bit below there. Um, so, so yeah, he gets my pony. Well, well, I'm glad you've said down to Christian Horner's level because I, I have traditionally been a big fan of Christian Horner and the way he interacts with the media and stuff. This season, less so. You know, I, I think they've got caught up in their own bubble and the narrative as well and yeah why couldn't Horner have just come down and congratulated Christian Horner because Red Bull didn't do anything wrong this weekend it was the FIA he was angry at not Horner just mm. uh, just congratulate Horner yeah and also sorry if I add like he was way below Christian Horner's level that sounded bad on Christian Horner I think Toto completely spat the dummy and absolutely Horner's got to him and I think he showed that it ended up getting to him all of the pressure in the end. And it was which, which I also think is understandable as well. Yeah, yeah. Alex. Oh, yeah. But where, where you talk about um, it wasn't Red Bull's fault. I'm not mad at Red Bull or Max. No, not at all. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not begrudging them winning it. I'm begrudging how it happened. Sure. Because it, to a Hamilton fan, it feels like robbery. Yep, really, really does, and it was the first thing I tweeted when it happened. When it happened, it definitely felt like robbery. Oh man! But can, can I just clarify quickly, in case anyone thinks that I don't think it's robbery, I do think it was robbery. <laughs> it was just nothing to do with Red Bull. But it, but for for the first time this season, I'm not mad at Max. I'm not. I'm not mad at Red Bull. They've they fought their they fought their corner from race one when they realised they had a car advantage, and they've gone for it, and they've nailed it down okay the way they've done it doesn't resonate with me but listen they've walked away with it and um we i'm looking forward to the fight next year because it's going to be spicy as hell i've got a pony yeah i've got a pony josh verstappen gets my pony award for saying lewis hamilton i respect him as a driver but for but for everything else nothing that's just that's just classless stop it there you go. <laughs> That's my pony. Matt, have you got anything? Yeah, not really. I mean, I think neither team principal acquitted themselves well on the radio with Mazzy today. And um, perhaps going forward, that will be something they take into consideration. Mm, I think uh, F1 can take a deep breath. I think we all can take a deep breath. It's been an emotional season. And from three races out, there was an awful lot of people saying, I'm enjoying it. I'm loving the drama. I actually can't wait for this to be over. I think maybe F1 can sit and 
decide, and I'm sure they will, decide which bits of their attack on entertainment they value and think worked because a lot of it has worked. They've massively increased the fan base. They've done a lot of good and they've probably secured the sports future for, for decades to come. But does it need to be sports entertainment or does it want to be sports? And I'm not taking anything away from what Red Bull or Max Verstappen have done, but I think fans would look at that situation and be relatively united that there was something not quite right with the way that race ended. Matt? I'm just going to say they should have a look at what's happened to NASCAR. You gotta have to be, it's a fine line and you have to walk it very, very carefully. Cause if you get it wrong, all those same fans that showed up for the spectacle will walk right back out the door. We do have one award left and it's for the people who join us in the live chat for the remainder of this season. We've been doing our live chat uh, for our patrons, uh, but thank you for everybody who has watched live. We will think about opening the live chat, but to be honest, the size and the, uh, the, the venomness of, of the chat did get out of hand and I, I will reassess that. But at the moment, if you join us in our patron stream, we have a lot of fun in our Slack group anyway. But on race day, it's a lot of fun and you can chat along live. And to those people, we give out an award. And that award is... Comment of the week. All right. Here's how we set it up. I think Alex has got a suggestion. I think Matt is going to have some suggestions. And then we will leave it to Kyle Edgy Power to pick a winner. All right, Alex, have you got some? I got two. All right. I got one from Maria Antero, um, which is Max lunges more than Jane Fonda in a workout video. Okay, that's... Uh, <laughs> I, I'll say, Maria, you don't seem old enough to make that reference. <laughs> and uh, one from John McClintock, which is you could... When talking about um, uh, Toto losing his rag, uh, you could say he went totally bonkers this race. Okay, just want to be very hard line about the pun here and puns can't win. Matt, what are our candidates? Well, that's a, um so we are going to start with Brap Garage F1 2021. Rules optional and subject to change. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. Then we move on to Maria Antero who I I'm just taking advantage of the end of season to throw all of the good ones in there. I hope you don't mind. I'm not smart um, enough to get it, but Maria uh, Antero in with that race got way too mozzy at the end there. Because uh, messy, yeah, it's a pun. Move on. Also, the race was won by a hail mozzy pass at no, the end. No, you know what Maria, you're doing. Thank Stop you, it. Thank you. Um, Jasper. Yeah. Jasper is in with Latifi had a great weekend, out qualifying Russell, and finally playing a significant role in a race. Okay, uh, there's our candidates. Kyle, it's on you. Who's our winner? Oh, that is a very tough one. I'm not allowed puns, am I? I'll do what you want. I don't care anymore. John McClintock gets it for me then with his totally bonkers. Sorry. Comment of the week. Guys, we are going to do a race rev a season review. We're going to do a season review next Sunday with Chris and Jono and Matt as well. So come and join us for that. We're going to look at the whole season. We're going to do all the kind of League of Justice, who was denied points, who was robbed points, who messed up, who did well, who could have done all that stuff. We are going to cover in depth in the, the season review on Sundays. So come and join us there. In the meantime, please follow my panel at Alex Van Jean, at Kyle Power F1 on Twitter, at MattPT55 and me, 
at Spanners Ready. Thank you so much for joining us for this season. The account also uh, for the show is at MissedApexF1. All those links are in the show notes below. Please do have a click around there. Uh, consider supporting us on Patreon. We are going to be sticking with you for some off-season content on Boxing Day and New Year's Day. I think we're going to have some some clip shows where we get to know the panel a little bit better. We're going to have some specialist shows and then the ramp up to our 2022 season is going to be worth sticking around for uh, as well. And so please stick with us in the off season. Tell people that you enjoyed this season with Missed Apex podcast and wherever we see you next, work hard, be kind and have fun. This was Missed Apex podcast. Max, Max, super, oh, super, I... Max, 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 super, super, Max, Max. <laughs> um, I've only just realised we never mentioned the Paris thing. What Paris thing? Oh, uh, the retirement? Suspicious retirement. No, yeah. Apparently the, under, the, the, the rumour going around is they underfueled him, him yeah. to uh, make sure he was racy. Um, but they all, but also they brought him in early to retire him because they didn't want to extend any safety car period. I, I would like the first one to be true. Mm-hmm. Oh. Well, if it is, it's pretty bad for him. Isn't <laughs> if he's running around lighter, was still miles off the pace. It's well, not, not miles the same the pace, car. But... I don't care what anyone says. <laughs> it's not the same car. It's going to be it really is the same good car. Next I have, I, it, they have options of the same parts. Unless one part comes separately, they have options. He of the was same racing parts. with literally bit, his rear wing was whatever was left. There was bits of balsa wood on the floor in the sweepings. They were going to send him out without a rear wing, and he's like, "But please, maybe I can have this balsa wood here." And they go, "Oh, fine, Checo, fine." but you have to ram Hamilton. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.